When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now, Baseball Together. Welcome to this week's episode of the Baseball Together podcast, Baseball Family. I am Brad, and this week we are actually joined by a very special guest, somebody from our Facebook VIP group, Jason D'Agostino. Say hi, Jason. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, Jason. Are you ready for Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Not as ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> absolutely. Just kind of throwing you into the fire there with this one. I thought we'd give Brig another week off, so I asked Jason if he would join me. Um, this week we're going to talk about some current events. Not a whole lot going on, but there is some discussion that we can have there. I'm going to give Jason a baseball quiz, and then in honor of his creation of the controversial most overrated player bracket on the VIP group, we're going to give our three most overrated players. So, here we go. Let's get into this. All first right. things, really only things first, the MLB and the MLB Players Association, the union, can't seem to agree on anything. Um, there's been proposals volleyed back and forth uh, with number of games, um, rate, like salary rates, things like that. The players even suggested that if there is no postseason because of another COVID outbreak, that they would take basically, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They could pay their salaries later. What's that word I'm talking about? I'm thinking of deferrals. Oh, I can't. Yes. Yeah, they would take deferrals on their salaries, which I thought was a, was a pretty big move, especially for these guys who are like, I want my money. I want my money now. But Jason, does this have you worried at all for a season? Uh, I, I think I, I mentioned it in uh, a post on the group. Um, uh, I think we need to prepare ourselves for the possibility of there not being a baseball season this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be for some of us, the second time in our lifetimes that this has happened. Yeah. Um, but I like the fact that they're still volleying back and forth offers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most recent one, I know that it came, the owners are offering an 85% or 80%, 85% of mm-hmm. the, the prorated salary. So they're trying to, to bridge that gap somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I can't, as I said in the group, I don't fault the players for doing something that I think any of us would do if we were in the same situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't be willingly going to work for a pay cut. I mean, on one hand, it's like, if that's the only option you have, you'd take it, you know, but where these guys, a lot of them only have really like a three year window to make as money, as much money as possible. That, that can be scary, you know, that, well, I, like I remember David Sampson, who you know I reference him a lot. He was the president of the Miami Marlins for a long time. But he was he talks about how there was one pitcher for his World Series winning team who took his money from making baseball. He, he's like he didn't make him up. He didn't make a bunch, but he made enough because even the league minimum, you know, that's more than what most people are going to make in <laughs> several years. Um, he took that and he went to dental school. And now he's a dentist. 
He's got a World Series ring and a DDS or whatever, you know, DMD, whatever he chose to, you know. So yeah, these guys have such short windows. I can see why they'd be fighting for pretty much every penny they can get, right? Exactly. I mean, uh, so it's oh, someone, go, ahead, sorry. go ahead. No, no, absolutely. Go, go gonna, for it. I was just going to make a reference um, going back to the overrated tournament. Someone that was talked about a lot was Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson's peak career was only a few years and then he got injured mm-hmm. playing another sport. We never actually got to see how big he was. Mm-hmm. So talking about how small of a window of opportunity these guys have to play at peak performance, mm-hmm. that's very imperative. You have an extremely great point on that, especially with these guys getting paid. And with COVID-19, they're looking out for their best interests and can't fault them. Yeah, for sure. And you know, Blake Snell presented, he, he said he's, he's worried about safety, you know, and and you hear about people who, who do get COVID-19 and it affects their lungs. As uh, as a professional athlete, that's obviously pretty important, especially as a pitcher. Um, that if one of these guys were to catch it and they were to, to have severe scarring of their lungs, that's essentially a career-ending injury, right? So, right. So I, I definitely get the concern of a lot of these guys that, you know, they're worried about themselves. I know um, is it Sean Doolittle with the with the Nats. Uh, I believe his wife has a respiratory issue. So, yeah, so if he's, he's playing, he's putting her at risk. Yeah, yeah if, he's, yeah, if he's coming home after games, definitely. He's definitely putting her at risk. And I can see why a lot of these guys aren't going to want to leave their families too. You know, Mike Trout's got a baby on the way. I can't imagine. I mean, you're a dad, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some days it kills me to go to work. Yeah. I was, I was actually just going to say, yeah, there are some days where it's like, yeah, I could use three months away. That'd be fantastic. But I know after a day or two, I'd be wanting to come home, you know? And yeah, like exactly. you said, eight hour shift at work, you're ready to come home at night and see the, see the wife, see the kids, everybody. So I can't imagine you know, playing in a bubble for three months and, and not being able to see my kids and, and every, and all the risk that comes with it. So, you know, I, I get the concerns. I get all that. I get the money, you know, I understand all that. And I feel like the owners, um, I don't want to say they're being cheap because you don't get that rich by not being cheap, right? Right. I get their concerns as well. But at the same time, what I've been saying is if you play a season, the money will come back. Oh, yeah. Like Without a doubt. Yeah, because because you're going to draw more interest. You're going to bring in more fans. And there are ways that now that they can – they can get draw draw revenue. I mean, yeah, they're not going to have fans in the seats, but you can sell banners. I, I think they've done that at some of the stadiums, the KBO. They've sold advertising banners in the outfield. Yeah, they I mean, have. Yeah. I mean, it, it, am I crazy to think that if they kind of bite the bullet and lose some money every game this year, that it'll eventually make itself up over the next couple of years? Is that a crazy thought? No, I don't think it is. I mean, if we go back to 94 when they had the lockout due to the player strike, mm-hmm. baseball struggled for a couple of years. Yeah. And then we had the now controversial <laughs> home run chase between Sosa and McGuire. And that kind of brought baseball back into uh, the mainstream. Mm-hmm. But the 95, 96, 97 seasons, sure, you always had the diehards that were going to come back no matter what. But the casual fan was slow in coming back. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, 
as far as the game coming back, Rob Manfred did say this week because they had the draft, and I'll be honest with you, I don't watch the MLB draft because I, I'm not, we're not going to see those guys for a couple of years, most of them. So I don't I just watch the draft. And I don't know who any of those guys are because I don't watch college baseball, and I definitely don't pay attention to high school baseball. So I, I don't know who's getting drafted, so I, I just don't watch it. But anyways, uh, he did say as the draft was starting, he said there 100% will be baseball this year, even if it's with the March agreement. And I don't know if you share mine and Briggs' disdain for Rob Manfred, Jason, but I was very happy to hear this. Because basically for me, I was like, okay, he just signed his death sentence as commissioner. Because the owners do not want to come back with that prorated agreement with no fans in the stands. And he just gave the Players Association reason to never negotiate again. Because eventually Manfred is going to say, enough is enough. We're coming back. We're playing. We had an agreement in March. We're sticking to it. I mean, again, I just keep asking, is that, a, is that another crazy thought that I have there? That that potentially the, the Players Association no longer has to negotiate because it's done. Is that kind of what that seems like? I, he's definitely tipped weight in their favor, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And if you, again, like I've mentioned it on, on the VIP board, mm-hmm. if you go back through history, these lockouts happen more so because of the owner's unwillingness to bridge the gap mm-hmm. than it is the players. Yeah, the players are looking out for their best interest, and so are the owners. And I get it. Um, this season is a cluster simply because of the things that cannot be controlled at the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as Manfred's concerned, I dislike him a whole lot more <laughs> than Seeley. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah, for sure. I wanted Bob Costas. So that's think, just me. I think we all want Bob Costas, but he's. He said that he won't do it because he loves the game too much, which I get. I get that. But, you know, like for me, it's like the owners are like, why would you tip our hand? Nobody knows. You know, not everybody knows that that's available, that maybe we could get the union to start break, start to break. And now nobody's going to. They're never going to budge because they know that this is a possibility that we had this agreement. We can go back to it because of emergency protocols from the commissioner. And so I'm like, you know, maybe this is a win-win. We're going to get baseball. Players are going to get what they want, so we'll get as much as possible. And then come next year, maybe, you know, if the owners are still not happy, maybe he'll be out and we'll get somebody better in. Yeah. I mean, because I sure don't want Manfred negotiating a CBA at the end of the 2021 season. Because (laughs) the way these these negotiations are going, man – there may not be baseball in 2022, and that's that's a scary thought too. To make a comparison to another sport, he's got oh, that Gary Bettman stink to him. I mean, <laughs> Gary Bettman is just – he's not a beloved commissioner of his sport by any means for oh. a variety of reasons. Yeah. And Manfred's just – he's got that hint of it. <laughs> yeah, he does. For anybody who doesn't know, Gary Bettman is the commissioner of the NHL, right? Yes. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. Yeah, it's almost like beloved commissioners. It goes Adam Silver of the NBA, who everybody loves because he does and says everything right. Like I wish he could just be the commissioner of sports. He's so good. <laughs> and then you've got Roger Goodell somehow at second, who everybody still hates. But then I don't know. It's kind of a tie between Bettman and Manfred. <laughs> like, somehow, I think Manfred's got a little bit of edge. <laughs> he probably does have a little bit of an edge. But still, everybody's calling for his head lately. Nobody nobody likes what he's doing. It's ridiculous. But 
that's definitely something to watch out for. We could see, I mean, according to him, we're going to have baseball this year. It's going to happen. Like you said, it could be the March agreement with 100% prorated salaries instead of 80%, like what was, uh, what was pitched this week. And, you know, Trevor Bauer made a point. He said, don't let the math fool you. The 40 games that, what was it, 100% prorated salaries. And then, uh, gosh, what was this one? It was like 70 games at 80%. 72, I believe. Yeah, 72 at 80%. Bauer said he'd be making the same money either way. Yeah, it's so, going to be a wash yeah, so for said, the players. Yeah, so he said, don't let the money, don't let the numbers trick you. It, it's the same amount of money. We're not going to take that. So interesting, interesting thought there. They're probably going to hold out until Manford puts his foot down and says they're going to play. So keep your eye on that. See how it goes. Let's take a quick break. When we get back, I'm going to give Jason a little quiz so we can get to know him better. No matter which ballpark you're at, you want to rep your team. Now you can with 9PlusUs. Welcome to the Big City Series. With every design available in your team's colors, you can fit in with the home crowd or stand out on the road. Either way, we have the colors you crave. Shop the Big City Series and find designs that rep your favorite baseball podcast, cheer from the cheap seats, and much more. Shop the Big City Series only at 9PlusUs.com. Welcome back to the Baseball Together Podcast, Baseball Family. Let's get to know Jason a little bit. This is honestly actually the first time I've had like a full-on 100% conversation with Jason. I'll be honest with you guys. We've texted some, we've had conversation on the group, but this is the first time in my life I have ever heard his voice, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So kind of, kind of a funny thing, uh, but let's get to know Jason a little bit better. And baseball family, I'll tell you right now, if you want to come on the podcast and do this with us, let us know. We will absolutely bring you on. We'll have a lot of fun with it. So Jason, brace yourself. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Let's do a rundown. What is your favorite color? Blue. No green. No, I'm just kidding. Very good. <laughs> All right. Uh, what is one unpopular opinion you have about the game of baseball? An unpopular opinion? Yeah, an unpopular uh, opinion. I think you should still be allowed to collide at home plate. Mm, that's a good one. That's a good one. I uh, I remember that Buster Posey collision. I was like, that's just a freak accident. Come on now. Right? Yeah, it was no Ray Fossey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, so I grew up catching, and the very first – so I guess I would have been 10. The very first game of that season, uh, our shortstop threw the ball a little bit wide of the plate, and I, so I had to reach across my body to get it. And this kid, who we were playing up because of um, because of some, a couple of kids on our team were a little bit older than us. We had to play up a league. Okay. And this kid, who's twice my size, came barreling in, hit me at the waist, and I flipped up over his back like something out of a Mighty Ducks movie. Oh. I crashed down on the ground. <laughs> my coach comes out to talk to everybody. He looks at me. He's like, you okay? I'm like, <gasps> yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And he's like, you guys have got to get that throw online. You're going to kill him back there. It's the first game of the season. <laughs> so so since you're mentioning uh, youth baseball, um, where I grew up, what we called Little League was really town ball. Um, okay. You had – there was four teams in our league. It was the Pirates – Phillies, the Yankees, 
the Indians slash Marlins, and that's where I was. My dad was coaching the Indians, and then when I started playing, he did, he stopped coaching, didn't want that situation, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes um, sense. And I started as a catcher. Mm-hmm. So I'm eight years old playing <laughs> town ball. There's no age teams. So you're on a team of eight-year-olds through 12-year-olds. Oh, man. Imagine being an eight-year-old kid stepping into the batter's box, batting against a 12-year-old pitcher who's throwing like 50 to 60 mile per hour heat. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Dude, that's exactly how it felt. We were 10 years old playing against 12-year-olds, and I felt like all those kids were six feet tall with mustaches. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Granted, I was a couple years older, but still, no, the fear and the intimidation of that. And by the way, we got boat raced every single game because of that. Like, absolutely. Mercy, like, mercy ruled every game because they were so much bigger than us. But, yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Man, the the best thing about that, like, our, our town league, was like, you had your friends, and then come game time, they were not your friends. <laughs> Yep. You, they were the enemy and you had to win. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's that is that's such a fun thing about playing like within the town. Like I coached a couple years ago. Uh, my buddy and I like we didn't have any kids on the team. We just decided we wanted to coach, so we went down and they put us, you know, on a team or whatever to coach. And uh and we had to get it into these kids' heads cuz they'd like see their friends across the field, you know, like they're not your friends right now. They're your enemies. They're your opponents. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> We're just kidding. Just go out there and play and have fun. <laughs> but yeah, it was no, because that's how it was for us, though. Like we would play kids that we knew, and it was, you know, like exactly. No, we're, gonna, we're here to beat you into the ground. We're not here to be friends. No, that's that's tons of fun. All right, what is the name of your autobiography? I tried my best. <laughs> that's a good one. I like that. I like that a lot. <clears throat> Um, if the Phillies were an Avenger, who would they be? Ooh, if the Phils were an Avenger, who would they be? Ah, oh, there's, there's such a quirky franchise. Probably Thor. <laughs> Not That's so much one. for, for the superpowers, but the personality. Yeah. I like that. And, you know, I initially I was going to ask that question, if Bryce Harper were an Avenger, who would he be? And my my thought was actually Thor, partially because of the hair. You know, it's gotten pretty long. He's got weird. that 93 Macho Row Phillies look down pat. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He does. He does look like he belongs on that team. He's, I almost feel like he's not quite big enough because he's likely not artificially inflated but at the same time like he does have he does have that 93 phillies look he does have it yeah to be fair cruck was not artificially enhanced that was straight up oscar meyer that's true that's absolutely true 100 percent. but yeah but yeah i'm sure there were guys on the team who were and yeah and you know what i've actually got a buddy who bryce harper is his cousin-in-law no um, way. Start, yeah, uh, he he married uh, his cousin, my buddy's cousin, and one year he got to sit down with him and watch the World Series. I want to say it was like 2010. He sat down and watched a World Series game with him, and he's like, "You have no idea how big that guy is." He's like, "He's like he is bigger than any human I have ever met in my whole life. He is just huge." <laughs> it's like, 
dang, because he looks pretty big on TV, but he's like, yeah, it does no justice. He's enormous. No, I can believe that. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was interesting, pretty cool to, to hear about. All right, Jason, tell me about your very worst ballpark experience. Oh man, very worst ballpark experience. Mm-hmm. I've never really. I mean, obviously, there's crappy times at the ballpark, but I've never mm-hmm. really had like a bad time. Even like my worst time. Mm-hmm. So 2007, uh, myself and. I was already out of high school, but the guy who came with me was my soccer coach. He actually just joined the VIP group this week. Oh, nice. Um, Welcome. We went to to see the Phils play against the Giants. Mm-hmm. And it poured the entire game, and they didn't call the game. And by the time the game was over, it was me, him, and two other guys in our section. And we were having the time of our life. We were soaked to the bone, but we were having just yeah. a blast. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that and, and I could see that being, like, down there because of the rain. But at the same time, like, it's like they say with golf. A bad day on the golf course is better than a good day in the office. And it's the same thing with baseball. A bad day at the ballpark is better than a good day anywhere else, pretty much. But, yeah, I would and, disagree on the golf part. <laughs> I, I would totally disagree on the golf part, golf part because I actually sold my golf clubs a couple years ago because I was like, I'm done with this stupid sport. Like, I'm totally done but no i'm just saying like what the saying and i feel like that relates over to baseball oh yeah without a doubt i mean i've yeah i've gotten extremely sunburned to the point i can't move at the ballpark (laughs) yeah for sure like um brig and tiff we've talked about with uh with the orm owls because i I, like i said i worked with them as an as an intern and there were a few times i went and got a hot dog you know just given another chance and they've talked about how that is the absolute worst hot dog you can get in the world. And I will 100% vouch for that. That my worst ballpark experience ever has been trying to get a good hot dog at an Orm Owls game. I mean, I spent every home game for an entire season at that stadium. and probably had four or five of them, and none of them were good. They are all awful somehow. I don't know. I don't know how. <laughs> that is by far my worst ballpark experience is trying to get a hot dog <laughs> at an Orm Owls game. That's still not that bad of an experience if it's it really just isn't, a hot no. dog. Yeah, because the fries were good, so that kind of saved it, and then I had free soda, so whatever. There you go. Um, all right, let's see. What else do we have here? If you could have an ability of any baseball player in history, what would it be and why? So, like, if you wanted, like, Clayton Kershaw's curveball or Randy Johnson's slider, uh, somebody's pa- uh, Griffey swing, what would you choose and why? Oh, man. Okay, I'll be I'll be a homer on this one. Okay. Um, I've always loved Chase Utley's swing. Hmm. He has green there on that one. He has an awesome swing. He always mm-hmm. put the ball in play. He could hit for power if he needed to, but he was never mm-hmm. like a power hitter. Right. It was all of it was just based on the mechanics and motion of his swing. I like that. That's a really good one. That's great. Kind of a, I guess not against the green, but that's a deep cut. That's not one that I would have expected. All right. Which team in baseball, minor league or major league, has the best hat? All right. I'm, I'm wearing it right now, actually. You can't see it. Um, so where, where I, I work in Harrisburg, uh, Pennsylvania, okay. and that's home to the Harrisburg Senators. Uh, 
their stadium is located on an island in the city. Um, and on hot summer nights, mayflies show up because of the lights in the stadium. Mm-hmm. They have a hat. It's an alternate hat with a mayfly holding a baseball bat. That's really cool. It's I it's, look this up. it's not something I think people outside the area would think are cool, but as someone from the area, I think it's absolutely amazing. Oh, that is a cool hat. That's really cool. Like the navy blue with the mayfly on it? Yep. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that. That's a great looking hat. And they also have the, uh, is that George Washington holding a, is that a firecracker or a beer? Uh, they have a George Washington celebrating uh, the Nats World Series win. Mm. And then they also that's have cool. Uncle Slam, who was their mascot for a long time. That's really cool. Oh, yeah, that's that's George Washington with goggles and a champagne bottle. Yep. Oh, my gosh, that's so funny. That's amazing. That might be my new favorite hat. But that yeah, fly hat is really cool. I'm going to have to put that up so everybody can see it. Yeah, I'm, re- I'm really lucky in that I'm located close to a bunch of minor league teams. Like, mm-hmm. I'm – I travel an hour every day to go to Harrisburg to work, uh, mm-hmm. and senators are right there. I've walked from my office building to the island to see Canes. That's uh, cool. Where I live, I'm, I can catch Reading, Pennsylvania in an hour – and see the Reading fight and fill. So I go there a lot with my dad and my grandfather. That's our Father's Day tradition. Uh, about an hour and 10, 20 minutes, depending on traffic, going east, we can go to see the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. If I want to see an independent game, I can go to Lancaster, New York, in about uh, an hour, hour 30. Nice. That's really cool. And that's actually one thing we, for anybody who doesn't know, we recently moved to Arizona just a couple weeks ago and darn it, COVID-19, there's nothing going on right now. But, um, I mean, we're only like 10 minutes from Chase Field. Um, when next, next year during spring training, if there is spring training, you know, cross fingers, hope so. Um, you know, we're like 15 minutes from, uh, from Peoria sports complex, 15 minutes from, I think it's Camelback park is where the Dodgers play. And then, you know, obviously not very far from any other stadium because they're all so close together. I'm like, man, next March, I'm going to have a heyday going to baseball games. And it sounds like that's just kind of like another week for you. Yeah. Uh, I don't get to go to that many games anymore with, with the kids, but I mean, yeah, that definitely changes things. (laughs) The guaranteed game is always the father's day game. I always get my dad and grandfather tickets for father's day. Obviously that's changed this year. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But I'm making up for that in other ways. That's cool. That's really cool. All right, I got one more for you. Are you ready? Yep. If you could visit one stadium from any time, what would it be? Man, so from any time. I mean, the two the two that are currently there that I want to go to in the worst way are definitely, definitely Wrigley, definitely Fenway, simply because of the history there. Um right. But man, I'd love to go to some of those old ballparks like Ebbets or Scheib that are mm-hmm. in the center of the city. It's crammed in there with all these houses. You have crazy, crazy right field foul lines. Yeah. Left field's far away. Just, I'd love to experience one of those ballparks. <laughs> That's cool. I've always, I've always just wanted to see the Polo Grounds, that legendary center field. Oh like... my gosh! Yes. <laughs> 
just like that to me that would just be one crazy game to watch but that's great though all right let's go ahead and take one more break when we get back we're going to talk about overrated players you can add us if you want that's fine we'll be back (laughs) take me out to the ball game take me out to the crowd Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. I don't care if I never get back with me. Root, root, root for the home day. Don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old Ball game. Shop kids baseball shirts at 9plusss.com. Welcome back, baseball family. Okay, we're going to wrap things up with this episode. We're going to talk about our top three most overrated players of all time. Like I said, this is in honor of Jason's controversial very controversial, overrated player bracket on the VIP group. To say the least. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> if you're not a member of the VIP group, search 9 plus as VIPs on Facebook. Come check it out. Uh, we actually have, what's what's the, the bracket we have going on right now? It's the best MLB logo, right? It is. It is the, the best MLB logo. I think we are on uh, match four of the first round. Oh, sweet. Sounds like I've got some voting to do because I think I've only done two. So this that's as of Friday night, um, June the 12th. So, um, if like I said, if you're not in the group, come join us. We have a lot of fun there, a lot of good conversation. And uh, also special deals sometimes from the shop, and we'll get into that later. But anywho, here we go. Jason, share with me your number three. Let's go three, two, one, okay? So your number right. three most overrated player. Who you got? Uh, I, I think an easy number three, uh, and I, one of the big controversies, before, I, I'll segue before I even get into anything, cause that's okay. what I'm going to do. Um, <laughs> one of the big controversies were in, in the, the tournaments and the discussions was some people were going strictly, um, strictly numbers, strictly uh-huh. st- statistics. And I, and I get it and I agree with it. Uh, one thing that. I know Brig and I have talked about in in the comments on one of the posts was you know player attitude, mm-hmm. uh, their hustle, how they are in the game, are they clutch, how are they in the in the locker room? Uh, for me, number three, it's it's an easy pick for me. It's a Rod. Uh, he's a guy that okay. was blessed with a ton of talent. Yeah, but was a bit of a prima donna. <laughs> he came with a lot of mental baggage, a lot of physical baggage, as we eventually found out with mm. the PEDs, which it's going to be a recurring theme with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I just, I think he took away from the Yankees sometimes in a way that was not positive for the team. Sure, they were mm. super successful, but when you have a team with Jeter and then you got A-Rod, Jeter just kind of had that, he was held to a certain standard because he made himself that standard, and A Rod mm-hmm. was just. Sorry, A Rod was just what? Sorry, you cut out. 
There's at the very oh, last. Oh, I'm sorry. A Rod was just A Rod. He, you, you yeah. got what you got with him, and that's all you were gonna get. You weren't gonna mm-hmm. get more. You weren't gonna get less. And see, like for me, A Rod, um, I wouldn't call him overrated. Uh, I would call him hated for sure because of the PED thing. Um, but I mean, he exceeded expectations. He played, you know, and obviously he had help, you know. But he still, when everybody yeah. was like wanting, when he came back and everybody was wanting him to fail, he outplayed those expectations. He was still out there hitting home runs when he was, you know, quote unquote clean because who knows at that point. But at the same time, he, he went out there with what was possibly a massive distraction and and played well for the most part. I mean, there were a couple times he'd go out there and lay eggs like in the postseason and stuff. But as a Mariners fan, having watched him come up, and granted, I was very young, but when he came up and played his early years, I mean, that was just – and there's a reason the Rangers wanted to pay him when he left Seattle, right? Cause he was... I definitely think there was – there were two A-Rods. Mm-hmm. There was the Mariners A-Rod, and he was – I think the expectations put on him might have been a little too much mm-hmm. to some degree, and I think that's what led to where he became, where he went. Yeah, but yeah, that Mariners A Rod was was something, and then <sighs> Yankees A Rod was a whole different creature. He really and, was. <laughs> just like there was random immaturity on a guy who had played on three teams, like yelling at someone on the base path to get them to miscatching the ball, and yeah. like just little things like that. I'm just like, ah. Oh, I... <laughs> Yeah, I, I always crack up about that because it's like it's one of those things you joke about playing pickup ball or like at practice with your buddies, but you never actually have the guts to do it in a game. And he had the guts to do it in a major league game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just crack up about that. It's so funny. Why did you decide to do that? <laughs> that of all moments in your entire life that you yes. – <laughs> That stupid move in a big league game. It just now that that actually cracks me up. I laugh about that. Like anytime it's brought up, I I just I laugh so hard because it's so funny. But but no, I I think you're right. There were two different A rods. There was the Mariners A rod, which I actually had pretty close and up up close and personal experience with. And then you know the Rangers and Yankees A rod was was a completely different person. And as as Briggs says that he. May or may not be a sociopath. I don't know. We'll see. But, <laughs> yeah. but and that really came out, especially with the Yankees. But, anyways, all right. So for your number three, you've got a Rod. Okay. For my number three, this is probably going to be the most controversial thing I say in my entire life. I'll be honest with you. Um, I know there are certain people who will uh, agree with me on this, um, but this is something that I've actually felt for a while. I'm going to go with Babe Ruth. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Shots fired. Yeah, that is a shot fired. And I understand that. And I'm probably going to get a lot of people coming after me on this. And that's fine. Like I said, at me. That's just fine. I'll have a conversation with you. But let me defend myself here. Okay. Babe Ruth essentially ended the dead ball era. Okay. Which, that's a big deal. I mean, it was... <laughs> it was that He completely changed the game of baseball, which I appreciate. Right, but at the same time, yeah. I'm a basketball fan. Steph Curry changed basketball. He essentially eliminated the center. But I'm not going to ever say that he's the best player ever, even in the top five. Okay, so Babe Ruth played in an era where 
the pitching may, may or may not have been very good, you know. He hit 11 home runs in 1918 and led the league. He hit 29 home runs in 1919 and led the league. Granted, he went on 54, 59, 41, 46, 47, 60, 54, 50, 46, 49, 46, 41. He didn't lead the league with 41 or 34 at the end of his career, towards the end of his career. But at the same time, you know, he did have all those, which, like I said, what was the pitching like back then? You know, Jason, for all I know, you and I may have been able to step in the box and hit 10 home runs that season, you know, when he was right. hitting when he was hitting 54 or 59. I don't know. Um, I, can, I can see your argument. I can. I'm mm-hmm. not going to be, you know, holier than thou on this. I can see your argument. And uh, to make an, another basketball reference, mm-hmm. um, since you, you reference basketball, you can easily see Michael Jordan in his prime, who is the – Equivalent to Babe Ruth of, of basketball, mm-hmm. playing, being competitive, and being successful now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't say the same thing about Babe Ruth. Exactly right. Yeah, that there are pitchers now who, with the understanding of spin rate and the physics that go into pitching, I mean, Aroldis Chapman might just blow three fastballs by the Babe. I don't know. You know, he does that to a lot of guys, yeah. but maybe he could do that three, four times in a row. That he maybe he won't ever catch up to that hundred and what is what is now what a hundred and three mile an hour fastball. Some that, guys top out at that, yeah. Yeah, that he may not he his bat may never catch up to that because he was swinging that log. You get him something that's a little more ergonomically designed, maybe an axe bat, something a little bit a little bit lighter than that log. Uh, maybe he will catch up to it, but I don't know if he ever would. Um, and he kind of had. This is another thing people are going to kill me for, I think. He kind of had that Giancarlo Stanton swing from what I remember. Like, if you if you watch those videos and stuff like that, it looks like he kind of has that Giancarlo Stanton swing where it's really, really fast through one zone. And those hands are really tight. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That he's trying to he, – he, I mean – He's he trying had, to hit a home run every single at-bat, which is right. fine. Right, and he had fine. the power to do it. Exactly. He was built to do it. Exactly. He's built to do it. He was – Kind of a portly guy. He was, uh, let's see, it was uh, 6'2", 215, okay? Which I'm not one to talk because, anyway, but... I'm there with you. <laughs> but no, I feel like I feel like given if he were to be taken from his era and brought into his, into this era, so many people are like, oh, the babe would still dominate. No, I don't think he would. And I don't feel I, like, I, And I don't feel like we should be propping up a player from 100 years ago where the game was completely different. Yes, he changed the game, but I don't think we should be propping up a player from 100 years ago when the game was completely different than what it even is now as the best player in history because there are players now who would go back then and just crush, crush the ball. That's what I believe. No, I see your point. So That's why Babe Ruth is number three for me. All All right. right. You ready to move on? Sure. Okay. All right, let's go to number two. Who you got for number two? Um, I have Ryan Braun. Ryan Braun. That's a, that's a good one. Please tell me why. Uh, it's just looking at his – I'm going to do the numbers thing on this one. Okay. Uh, and it does tie into PEDs. You look at his numbers before he got nailed for PEDs. Mm-hmm. He was batting – what? Let's see here. Over 300, 37 homers, 118 RBIs, and that's at his peak. Mm-hmm. And then 
After that, he's averaging 280, 27 homers, under 100 RBIs. Mm -hmm. His value on performance-enhancing drugs and where he is after that, two totally different players. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's crazy seeing guys like that because you see some guys who it's like, oh, he still would have been a great player. Like people talk about Barry Bonds. He was still a Hall of Famer before he took steroids, right? Allegedly. But Ryan Braun has been an all-star one time since then. Yeah. And that makes <laughs> – that's He's, he's right almost there. the epitome of the guy who needed them to succeed. Yep. Yep. For sure. Absolutely. I totally agree with you on that. He, That's a perfect way to put it. He is the epitome of the guy who needed them to succeed to become an all-star. Because so, since then, he's been a, a good player, but he has not been anywhere near a great player at all. And boy, is that an albatross of a contract for the Brewers. <laughs> yes. So bad. So bad. <laughs> and, you know, we talked about the CBA coming up next year, and, you know, maybe that's something that we'll see because players have called for contract voiding with PED with positive PED tests. Yeah. So that's something to keep an eye on because that could have saved the Brewers big time. Well, so, without a doubt. So Without a doubt. So. All right, my number two. My number two. I, and I, this is one where I don't think there's a whole lot of controversy, but I'm, I think I've got kind of a little bit of a, little bit of a different angle on it. I've got Bryce Harper at number two. Now, before I go too much further. I'm kind of glad you mentioned him. Well, I'm I'm a huge Bryce Harper fan. Like, I like watching him play the game. I like his kind of his attitude. You know, that he's got the long hair and he's and he's he's intense. He's excited. He's excited about baseball, and that's kind of the way I approach it. You know, it's a ton of fun. Get excited about it. You know, but I feel like he's overrated, but not by any fault of his own. Right, because. The, the guy was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, what, 16? 16. So right there, that bar is set so high, he's never going to be able to meet it. That he would have had to put up <clears throat> Barry Bonds' steroid. I go, there I go again. Barry Bonds' numbers to be considered. You know, like He would have had to set the home run record. Um, he would have had to hit three. 25 330 every single year with 40 home runs to meet those expectations oh yeah and i feel like the nats rushed him through the system i mean he came up at 19 sorry go ahead so it's funny you say that because the the senators as we mentioned earlier it's that's like kind of like my home minor league team that i go see Mm -hmm. yeah um that's the nats double a affiliate so i saw bryce harper as a teenager play baseball nice and I was turned off from him fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. So it's, I'm kind of glad you brought him up because this is, this is something I can talk about pretty from my personal experience as a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw him as a teenager refuse to sign autographs for a couple of kids. Okay. And that instantly turned me off on him. Mm-hmm. And had we been having this conversation two seasons ago, he would have been my number one pick because I saw him as a hothead. Mm-hmm. I saw him as uh, cocky. Mm-hmm. And then I got to see him play every day as a Philly. And I saw all the positives that were being talked about with him. Mm-hmm. And I think him as a Philly in that whole mess with 
Gabe Kapler as the manager and McCutcheon going down, mm-hmm. I saw him step up and become a leader, and I was thoroughly impressed with him in his first season as a Philly. And I was not really on the fence or on the ball with him signing as a Philly. I was on the fence. Mm-hmm. So I was thoroughly impressed with how he handled himself with maturity and grace last season. Yeah, and that was one of the big knocks on him in uh, with the Nationals was that he wasn't a clubhouse leader, and I think he was just miserable. I think he was miserable with the Nats. That that's part of the reason he was such a hothead, and why you know he was kind of barking at the media. And granted, he was also very young. You know, that's one of the it's one of the things with the minor league system is it gives these guys a chance to mature before they get to the big leagues. And he spent like a season and a half in the minors, was all. And I feel like that was a major disservice to him as far as his development goes. That you know the Nats probably would have been accused of tampering with his um, with his service time if they'd kept him down any longer because obviously he was ready. But they could have just said, maturity-wise, he's not ready. He cannot handle a big league clubhouse yet, you know. But, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's the case. But I do feel like the Nats did him a disservice of only having him in their minor league system for a year and a half. And so, I, I agree with you. I think he was miserable as a national. I, I mm-hmm. He does the way he comes across as a Philly, not even talking like as a homer now, just as mm-hmm. a, a baseball fan viewing a, a player's progress. Mm-hmm. I don't think in, in watching any of his interviews or watching him play the game as a Nat, I remember him smiling, mm-hmm. which sounds stupid, but yeah, no, for sure. He's all kicks and giggles as a Phil. Mm-hmm. Like he loves playing in Philadelphia. And, that's a crazy thing to say about any athlete. Because <laughs> <laughs> most people don't. Yeah, well, and Exactly. Thing, and one thing, too, is I mean, he is a dad now. I mean, you and I both know that being a dad goes a long ways to making you making you mature. So I'm sure that yes. helps, too. But I, I think where he's playing goes a long ways. Um, he's finally – and, you know, he was forced to step up with the Phillies, like you said last year that he was forced to be a clubhouse leader because of injuries. And, you know, he was never really forced to do that in, in Washington because A, it wasn't asked of him, and B, there were veteran pitchers around him. And, you know, Steven Strasburg's been there as long as he have or longer or whatever. I'm not sure exactly when he was drafted, but he's had other guys around him who were the leaders. So he didn't have to be. He could just go out there and play yeah. the game. And, and maybe he was miserable with that role. Maybe he wanted to be more, be more of a leader. And, you know, they're just like, oh, don't worry about it. Just go play the game, you know. So, I don't know. But, like I said, number two most overrated player for me, not by any fault of his own, but because of the expectation, the mantle that was put on him as a young phenom, that that's just kind of the way it worked out for him. I do hope that he has a good year this year and next year when things come back because I'm a big fan of his. So He was, he was on fire in spring training. Oh, jeez. I always have a hard time with guys like that. Like, um, I always think back to Dustin Ackley. Dustin Ackley with the Mariners was a spring training all-star. I actually called it out one time. The Mariners posted the, his slash line during spring training, and I said, well, let's see what he's doing in June. And, uh, and they said something back. I don't remember what it was, some snarky comment, but I was like, whatever. You know? And then, of course, in June, he was like batting a buck 50. So. I, was, I was so excited for this season watching the spring training games because mm-hmm. the Phils actually looked like – a well-rounded team. And I think a lot of that has to do with having an experienced manager and not a statistical guru. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> guys get handcuffed by those stats, by like the analytics and stuff. And that yeah. makes me absolutely insane. Speaking of this season, like being excited about this season. So baseball reference, um, one of my favorite sites because I'm a stat nerd. Um, they're doing a simulated season since there's no, obviously no okay. games. It's something for them to do. Um, I was looking at this yesterday. And, of course, in a pretend baseball season, the Mariners are on top of the AL West by a half a game over the Oakland A's at 44 and 27. <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? Let's see where the Phils are. <laughs> the Phils are um, thirty-two and thirty-six, seven and a half back of the Braves. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> but but if you want to see how your team would do be, is doing in pretend world, uh, go check out ba- it's baseball-reference.com. They have the, like I said that simulated league. It's a bunch of fun. Uh, I think the Mariners are going to win the pretend world series. We'll see how it goes. Um, pretty excited about it. But <laughs> just an awesome site to go back and look at and complete compare players. It is. And one of my, one of the things I love doing is going, going back and looking at games that I've, that I went to because I have a really hard time following games that I'm at if I'm not doing a book. And I don't like to do that at the stadium. You know, I just like to enjoy it. Um, you like to get lost in the game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. I, and I totally get lost in the game. So what I like to do is I like to go back and find games that I've been to and check the box score and see exactly what happened. See how the game shook out. It's it's a bunch of fun. They have games back as far as you can look, pretty much. They have those box yeah. scores. So it's a blast. But anyways, we're on to number one, right? Your number one yes. overrated player? All right, who's your who's your number one all-time overrated player? Jason, ready, go. So I was, I was torn on this. Yeah. Uh, because I almost went with Jonathan Papelbon. Mm, okay. Almost. And that's just more because of what he did to locker rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Torn part. But, uh, and it's someone we've both referenced now. Uh, I went with Barry Bonds simply because mm. Bonds, Bonds' trajectory pre-San Francisco. Mm-hmm was through the roof. He was he was going to be a Hall of Famer. He was going to be an all-time great. Mm-hmm. And then he, he, he started juicing. I mean, there's mm-hmm. you can't be polite about it. He started juicing. Yeah. His entire physical shape changed. <laughs> I showed my and... wife a before and after picture a few weeks ago, and she's like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's steroids. <laughs> I mean, and, it, and it's something I always reference a lot, and I've, I know you've seen me reference it, on the group um, is Ken Burns baseball. I think it, mm-hmm. if you're a baseball fan, if you're a casual fan, you should watch it at least once. It is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, on their, their 10th inning, they talk about the home run chase and a San Francisco um, sports writer talks about how Barry Bonds had this amazing season in 98 and it was completely overshadowed mm-hmm. by McGuire and Sosa. Yeah. And, he was quoted as saying, if that's all they want, that's all they're going to get. And from 98 on, if you look, his entire, not just physical shape changed, but his entire approach to the game changed. Uh-huh. And he just became solely a home run hitter. He went from being this great, amazing, all-rounded baseball player mm-hmm. to a freak of nature in his 30s. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at think about this for a minute. This is what's crazy to me about Barry Bonds. He won 
an MVP. He won two MVPs in Pittsburgh. 90, 92. Mm-hmm. His first year in, in San Francisco, he wins an MVP. And then after that, you know, like still a great player, outstanding player. And then he wins four in a row, 2001 to 2004. I mean, he, he, he is, like you said, Ryan Brown is the epitome of somebody who needed steroids to be great. Barry Bonds is the epitome of somebody who was great, and then steroids took him to the absolute next level. Just a freak of nature when it came to baseball. Because he, I've heard people talk about his eye when he's up batting, that he could track the ball longer than anybody they'd ever seen. But that's why he was such a good hitter, that he saw the ball better than anybody to begin with. I mean, 92, he led the league in walks. 94, 95, 96, 97. You know, <laughs> this guy is a phenomenal, a freaking amazing hitter. He was a natural baseball player. Yes, If there was, was ever a natural baseball player, he was it. Mm-hmm. And he, it just seems like insecurity or jealousy. Yeah, I don't know led to what he did and he never needed it mm-hmm. that's i think why i think he's all right he never needed performance enhancing drugs to be an amazing baseball and yeah i mean i i think if he had never ever juiced he still would have gone down possibly as a top five player of all time i mean oh, that, that might that Without might just be hyperbolic and a little bit of a stretch but i mean he no, was I think healthy. he was on that trajectory. You know, yeah, like he was healthy. He played every day. I mean, in 99, he played 102 games. But other than that, man, he's got 130, 140 games every single year. So it, I, yeah, I think he definitely could have been a top five player of all time had he not done steroids. And now he's, he's the asterisk, the absolute yeah. asterisk in the Hall of Fame. So. And it just frustrates – as a fan, it frustrates me because amazing player. Absolutely, yep, 100%. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things where – because I remember watching him when I was younger because he's one of those guys that had some of his baseball cards, so I followed him. And I, I do remember how good he was. And I guess, you know, I was young in the early 90s, mid-90s, but he was a guy I remember seeing on Center, seeing how good he was and how great of a player he was and – and then seeing that as I got older, it just, just gets you that really nasty taste in your mouth, you know? Just, oh, yeah, without gross. a doubt. Without gross. a doubt. Absolutely. It's a shame, too. It really is a shame. he should be in the hall. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He he should be. And there is a, a real possibility he still could have broken the home run record even without steroids. I don't yeah. know if he would have, but there is a real possibility. So. Okay, uh, my number one, um, this is going to make a lot of people really mad, I'll be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've kind of I've argued this a little bit with Brig. Uh, there was an episode a while ago where we kind of talked about this. But I, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with Derek Jeter as my number one. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> And yes, I'll give him all the intangibles because there's a reason they called him the captain. The way he conducted himself was absolutely professional every single day, on and off the, the ball field. Like, the, like you know, you talk about the intangibles, locker room guy. But for me, ability-wise, his intangibles by far outweighed his ability. Okay? 
and and mostly my argument is based just on regular season because you can't argue that that Jeter's postseasons were ever overrated because he was I mean there's Mr. November you know that didn't come from nowhere and um, that that flip that everybody has seen everybody knows that just makes me so mad I was just so angry in the moment that it happened because I was convinced that the A's were going to beat the Yankees and they didn't and the Diamondbacks had to go beat them which is cool because now I'm a kind of a D-backs fan but anyways no I, I just don't feel like Jeter was like if you put him up against most guys on that team ability wise he wouldn't stack up that if if you had A-Rod and Jeter coming in side by side and said, A-Rod, we're going to give you a chance to win the shortstop, shortstop position in New York over Derek Jeter, A-Rod would have won it, I feel like, because he was the better he was the better fielder. And, you know, by that point, you know, A-Rod with the steroids, he was probably more of a third baseman body. But I still think he could have beat out Jeter for shortstop defensively. Um, but, I mean, I feel like, I don't know, sometimes, like, for me – Really what it comes down to is Jeter was helped with playing in New York. If he had played in Minnesota, if he'd played for the Twins, uh, he wouldn't be the Derek Jeter that we all know and some love. Um, and, I, and like I respect him. I don't love Derek Jeter because he was a Yankee. He's a filthy Yankee. Um, <laughs> if, if, he had, if he'd played in Seattle... I don't think he would have been Derek Jeter because A-Rod wasn't necessarily A-Rod until he went to New York, right? Everybody knew who he was, obviously, because there was the discussion around the, the biggest contract in professional sports history or North American sports history. But I I don't know. It just, for me, like, Derek Jeter just doesn't do it for me, I guess is what I'm trying to get to, you know? I think Jeter definitely benefited from coming up with veteran players mm-hmm. when he came to the Yankees. I don't think there's many people who are going to out-hustle Derek Jeter, though. I think mm, yeah. his work ethic was his work ethic was why he became what he became. Yes, yeah. And I, 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 I don't think you could... So maybe with the A-Rod comparison, they, they're, all, they're apples and oranges, basically. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think uh, when it comes to Jeter, he's going to work hard, he's going to hustle, he's going to do everything he can to improve. Mm-hmm. And A-Rod was a very gifted baseball player. He was a natural ball player where Jeter had to work more for it. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Makes sense to me. But I do feel like Jeter benefited a lot from being in New York. That I don't think he would have been Derek Jeter if he had been playing even like San Diego or or anything like that. You know, that, that, that massive market, the NY on the hat, the pinstripes helped elevate his, his stature, I feel like. And that's that's just me. That's... I also I mean I'm not a Yankees fan but I also think that that New York market made him grow as a, as a player and a person. I mean he had to step up at times and he mm-hmm. other players probably wouldn't have wanted to. Yeah, that's true. It's it's really easy to shrink in that environment, right? And he came up and, as a young kid and was able to to perform. I mean, he won the rookie of the year. Um what's that? 24th in MVP his second year, which, you know, I feel like it still could have been helped by the pinstripes, but that's just me. But no, I, I will absolutely <laughs> give you that. That it would have been easy for him to shrink in that market. You know that that there could have been a lot of Jeter, you bum, and he could have been like, yeah, I am a bum. You know, 
instead. I mean, and says, we both no, know there are, we both know there are players who don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. Well, Brig has talked before about how Sonny Gray said that he he couldn't handle the market, which that's nothing against Sonny Gray. He's a great pitcher, but you know he's actually playing better now in Cincinnati. Or has been. and some guys drive in a in a small market environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and so I I'll give him that credit that he he did rise to the occasion to play in that crazy market, and I think and from all the stories that I've heard about him that that that's pretty much what his parents groomed him for was they said if you're going to play baseball you got to be able to handle it, and so they kind of you know taught him how to be professional and act professional and everything like that, but. No, just for me, it's really just like, and it might just be the Yankee hater thing in me that he just doesn't do it for me. So he's number one on my list. You can send me your angry tweets and things like that. That's fine. Um, but that's that's my list. I've got Babe Ruth, <laughs> Bryce Harper, and Derek Jeter. <laughs> I think only one of them people would agree with you on. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's true. But... Let's go ahead and wrap it up. Before we go, though, make sure you stop by the shop. That is 9plusus.com. Spell it out, N-I-N-E-P-L-U-S-U-S.com. You can stop by. I'm wearing my pirate baseball hat today and my autism awareness shirt. Um, that's actually my favorite combo to wear, the, the black hat with the blue shirt because it looks really nice. Um, oh, yeah, complimentary colors. They look they look so good together. It's just I, I love it. But uh, there's all kinds of stuff on there. we got pillows. Um they're awesome. We got some more stuff coming soon. Brig has been at it. I'm telling you, that guy has been making some designs. We got a bunch of fun stuff coming, and yeah, I just, I'm excited about it. I I can't wait. I can't tell you anything though. But you can go shop what we have available right now. Um, don't forget to stop by baseballtogether.com. You can watch the podcast, listen to the podcast. You can send us a message. Submit to our mailbag. Hey, if you want to be like Jason and be on the podcast, let us know. Send us a message um, through the mailbag or just something on, on Facebook. Say, hey, I'd love to be on the pod with you guys. We'll have you. It's fun. Is it I mean, I had fun. Did you have fun today, Jason? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Excellent. Had a lot of fun. Excellent. Thanks for thanks for joining me, filling in for Brig. He will be back in a couple of weeks. We're going to get him back and, and uh, hopefully get things back to normal. I don't even have my green screen up. I can't find it right now. I'm still <laughs> getting unpacked. But... I'll get the green screen back up, and and we'll have some fun with that stuff. But baseball family, thanks again for joining us. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review the podcast. Tell your friends about us so we can grow our our community, and we will check you. Check you? No, we don't do checks around here. We will catch you next week. (laughs) 